that's the other thing it's just carrying those daggum things around I'm gonna need a wheelbarrow. <laughs> hey, but you only need one as opposed to your seven or eight that you, that you said you used to use. Actually, that morning we killed two turkeys. I think we used five. We well, might have yeah. shot five that morning. That was a, five a shots crazy, crazy morning. All right, welcome to the Eighth and Time Podcast, episode number five. I can't believe that we are here. Uh, this is really our like sixth or seventh episode that we've all done together, or at least in some kind of capacity. We've had a couple special episodes, um, and everything's just been awesome to watch. We've had a, an, an awesome following, and, and everybody kind of you know leaving us reviews and those types of things. So be sure to keep that coming. Be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. And then if you love it, you know leave us leave us a high rating. And if you really really love it, leave us a review. But um, turkey season is here. Um, Justin and Jim are going to be headed down to Florida here in a few days. That's right. Chasing uh, some Osceola turkeys, yeah, and then uh, Tennessee season opens in less than a month. So if you haven't gotten your license yet, get it. Um, but that's kind of we're we're in that mode. We are in turkey mode. We're thinking, talking, dreaming, sleeping, eating turkey. We're scratching leaves over here. <laughs> so <laughs> it's that time of the year. So we're going to kind of today's kind of a uh, by listener request and just us wanting to keep diving in deeper to the subject. We're going to go over our gear list. And just keep talking turkey hunting, and just each one of us kind of talk about what we've got going on. Um, Justin, start us off. The big hot topic when it comes to turkey hunting, okay, is calls. Everybody's got their favorite, and everybody's got you know their methods of madness. We'll start with you with with calls. So uh, I always say use what works for you. Um, when I first started out turkey hunting, my dad bought a box call at the co-op. And I still use that same box call today. Um, but normally it depends on the, one, the circumstance where we hunting open fields, open pastures. I want to be the loudest thing out there to try to locate, you know, locate the one we want to go after. Um, whether we're in the, the hardwoods, I might use a mouth call or a slate. Um, but like I said, it, it always, whatever works for you, whatever you're comfortable with, I mean, I know I can I can use all three of those in different situations. And if you're the shooter and you only have one camera guy, you might want to stick to a mouth call because that bird gets, you know, within 50, 60 yards. You don't want to have any motion trying to use a box call or a slate. So um, if you're like my good friend uh, Whit Winford that hatched from an egg, you're, you're running a mouth call 99.9% of the time. But I've always seen him pull out a box call when you're – trying to locate one in the middle of the day you want to be loud and proud so that's how i go about it and that's what i tell people like you know most people that are just getting in turkey hunting there we want to be the professional we want to use this mouth call blah 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 which is great if you can run it but not everybody can yeah. run a mouth call yeah so yeah i know for me I, I, i'm not saying that i'm i'm Whit winford but i just stick with a mouth call 99 percent of the time and i think it's mainly just out of convenience i'd rather just I don't have to pull something out of my pocket. It's right there, readily available. Sometimes it may sound like a dying cat, but <laughs> I've got some. They said I can make a sound. Dying cats kill turkeys. <laughs> awesome. That, that, young, that young and dumb two-year-old don't know the difference. It does happen. I know. I, it, there's been times where I make a sound and it just it happens, and you're like, man, I should have just swallowed that rather than than make a sound. But uh, Austin, I know last year you were still trying to learn how to call. How's it coming along this spring? Are you feeling good about it? I'm feeling better. I know earlier I said it sounded like, I think, a dying llama or something, a dying dog. <laughs> now it sounds like a dying general bird. Okay, okay. So I'm in the general area. Um, I kind of just went out and bought all different types of calls, of glass slates and diaphragms. Um, I haven't got my hand on a box call yet, but so far my favorite's actually the glass. Okay. To me, it's just real smooth and crisp. I do like the diaphragm calls, but like you guys have said, it's really hard to learn, so I'm yeah. practicing those, but right now glass is kind of my favorite. Okay, so pot call for, for Austin. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, and that's what I learned on. I I have yet to perfect or really use a box call. I don't I don't really use one. I know that's really? probably the opposite. I just never had one. Was never given one. I saw slates and diaphragms, so that's what I ran with or pot calls, whatever somebody wants to call them. I don't know if they're the same thing. I, I don't know. Whatever. My, uh, my problem with the mouth call is I just have a hard time getting real loud with it. I can I can play right. soft all day long, but just getting loud on it, I'm I'm not that good on it. Right. It's too much slobber. <laughs> to get loud. <laughs> Jimbo, who do you run? 
Whatever Justin's doing. <laughs> <laughs> I've been pretty spoiled all my life. Uh, you know, I grew up turkey hunting with my with my good buddy Luke, and uh, he's a turkey slayer. He's really sneaky, patient, and uh, he's a ninja like. He is very ninja like. So uh, I never really had to worry about calling turkeys, hunting with him. Uh, you know, branched out, started hunting with Justin. I mean, he's a turkey. He's a big ninja turkey slayer so uh you know i i really don't have to do much i'm pretty i'm pretty well spoon fed turkeys during turkey season um i will say uh i have you know called in several birds over the last few years uh for other people that i've hunted with and you know a a slate call is my favorite i've got a i've got a slate over glass call uh, made by derby city in kentucky i picked it up at nwtf i think in 2013 Thirteen. They had a booth there, and uh, customized it with my name on it. And uh, that's just to be honest with you, the only call that I run. Uh, I think I've got a box call in the closet. I think I've, <laughs> there's some diaphragms in there, but uh, you know, I just keep those for uh, trophy pieces and <laughs> conversation pieces. Yeah, that's conversation right, pieces. Right. Don't really get them out into the woods much. Um, so. You know, my go-to is is a, a slate over glass Derby City call, if uh, if I'm forced to call. And uh, besides that, I I'm hope I'm hunting with Justin or Luke, <laughs> just to be honest with you. And see, that's kind of where I want. That's one reason I want to start with calls. Is you know, as turkey hunters, we all have something different. There's four of us in the same room. We all hunt together all the time, and then we all have something completely different that we use trust and, and yeah, want to do. Be right. it we, be it someone else <laughs> that you use in trust, or well, if you have your own calls. Well, the the thing why I like to carry multiple calls is we've. I think I know I've been in that situation several times where, you know, that box call or slate call, he's not answering. Right. Um, I mean, you hunt enough, you're going to find a bird that only going to answer a box call or only going to answer that high-pitched slate or something of that nature. Um, that's I like to have options. Uh, if you hunt with me, you know my bags and pockets are pretty full. <laughs> so <laughs> I like to uh, I like to be able to throw the kitchen sink at them if I have to. That's why my, uh, my bags and pockets are full of camera gear, so I don't have room for calls, <laughs> so that's why you carry them. <laughs> uh, Whatever works, right? You've got calls, I've got lenses and batteries <laughs> and memory cards. So the next step in, in turkey hunting for me, we've got to decide on how we're going to be camouflaged. So we figured out how to call him in. So how are we going to be camouflaged? you got different options. You can do a whole pop-up blind, stake blind, um, or just run and gun, leafy suit slash natural, you know, throwing limbs and leaves and branches, whatever, up in front of you. Um, for me, it's been typical most of the time running light, running gun, pop-up blinds are just big, bulky, heavy, getting away. And only need to use them if it's raining. Um, that's right. That's about. I mean, that's that's my take on it. I think most people would agree. I'm sure if you're hunting with kids, things like that, pop-up blinds are great because you kind of can corral them and say, "Hey, we're going to hunt there, and we have to sit there and not and kind of keep them all in one spot." But yeah, we've got pop-up blinds at you know our best spots that we know we can always kill turkeys at. So if the weather's bad, or if we do take a youth hunter, or uh, if we want to try to shoot one with a bow, we've always got the pop-up blinds there, you know, in our go-to spots. But uh, you know, definitely trying to stay light, run and gun, is uh, is probably our our key. Uh, don't really use any brushy cover. We talked about this with the filming turkeys. Uh, you know, filming turkeys has definitely changed our the way we hunt, and uh, you know, use a leafy poncho from a Maristep to cover up the turkey, uh, the camera and the tripod and all of our equipment. But, uh, you know, it's just tough. Uh, I say run and gun, stay light, and uh, don't worry about all the cover. Cover yeah. yourself in camo. When this topic, when people ask me that, I tell them deer season closed uh, a couple months ago. I don't like to <laughs> sit in one specific spot and deer hunt a turkey. That's right. That's not turkey hunting for me. That's that's not how I grew up turkey hunting. So I like to be boots on the ground and, and covering as much ground as possible. Yeah, you know I might I might bump that one bird that's not gobbling, but if he's not gobbling and, and strutting, then you know, in my opinion, you're just deer hunting them. Yeah. Yeah. Same way elk hunting. Yeah. I mean, we may pass multiple bulls or bump elk that we didn't even know was there that weren't bugling, but you know, for bow hunting. That's right. Specifically bow hunting. If they're not going to talk and work with us, then 
pass them up and go find one that will. The one time I will just sit down and, you know, mid-afternoon or midday, you know, you've been walking. Hey, I'll sit on a green field for an hour or two while I eat my lunch. But Nap 30. That's right. My, my nose <laughs> that's off what I'm talking too. about. <laughs> Especially if it's below freezing like it. I mean, also it's really nice to get up and move because I, I know last last year opening morning – it was uh, it was in the twenties. It yeah. was it was cold. And I think the next weekend I hunted with Kenny at at Sundance, and it was in the twenties. Most of early season was yeah. pretty cold last year. So yeah. and then it was a light switch, and it was ninety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just went from went from winter to, to summer all all at once in about two weeks. Felt like, but uh, yeah, I mean for for the biggest thing with turkeys is you gotta hide. So just kind of whatever works for you, whatever works for your situation and how things are going when it comes to your setup, you got to hide. The biggest thing, too, find somewhere where you can get in the shade. Don't be in the sunlight. You know, those types of things. I know that's critical for me if I'm going to be sitting down somewhere and for what we're doing. Try and get in the shade if you can. So you're, we've got our calls picked out. We've got a bird located. We have figured out how to sit down and, and cover ourselves the best way that we can. We got a decoy. Um, a lot, birds are going to, especially Easterns, we've got them tricked. We've got them coming in. They'll hang up if they don't know what they're coming to. I mean, there's a lot of times that, that, that that's the next step is getting them there. Um, until last year, this is out. So until last year, I was a flock guy. <laughs> <laughs> Ask Austin if yep. we went. I mean, I had two or three hens and a Jake. Yep. I would have several birds out. Um, and I just kind of had the foldable, you know, cheap foam that just I could fold up, stick in my, in my patch. Flambo. Yeah, flambo. Uh, Fold ups, I could stick, you know, four, five, six, eleven decoys in there, and <laughs> that way, if I needed, to, I could have two spreads, make a V formation. One way or not, in. we're going to get them in. Funnel them in. <laughs> no, I would have, you know, a couple of decoys, and that was what I had. I guess was either raised or I had seen. I thought that's what you needed, um, but until that was until last year, and watching Justin with just a single, really nice hard shell decoy that looks good. Looks good in the sun or the shade, and those different things. Um, my yeah, decoys end up blowing over. Yeah, my decoys needed to be in the shade. That way, they didn't, <laughs> it looks so bad. But anyways, uh, that, that was until last year. So my decoy method used to be a flock, and it worked. And that, so yeah. it, and used to, and it worked. Um, but I think I'm gonna have to go to one decoy. Just I like that being able to get out there. Plus, I think it gives you more options. What made you, Justin, just start using one? Just what? So again, <clears throat> I hunted all through. We're talking about Beyonce, right? Yes, Beyonce. <laughs> okay, just making sure. Um, middle school, high school, you know, I had the cheap decoy, and like you said, it, it worked. Um, but you know, you were going to go buy a new one two years down the road because you ripped it or your stake pushed through it or whatever it may be. Uh, but when I got into school in Auburn and started hunting with Wit, and I think he was the first one that bit the dust and bought a DSD decoy. And I mean, I've had it since my freshman year of college. So what was that? God, I don't even know how long ago, maybe 10 years ago, it yeah. feels like now. Um, but I still use the same one. It's, it's a DSD, it's hard shell. I'm pretty sure it's been shot several times or got some after spray. Yeah. Um, but it still holds in there and I'm, it's gonna last for another 10 years. Yeah. Might have to touch up some paint here and there, but um, I mean, that's the durability. Functionality, being able to throw it in a, a bag and, and rock and roll, right? And you've seen it; it looks, it looks great. Yeah. I've, have, do you ever use a strutter? Ever like a strutter decoy? Not a decoy. I've got uh, what do they call it? The thunder, not the thunder chicken, but it's something of that nature. It's just the front part of a turkey, yeah. and I put it. You know, we saw it last year. I, 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 I use put one a, I put a fan, a real fan in it. Yeah. Um, I don't use it all the time, but I use it. If I know a, a bird's going to be pissed off, an older bird, um, you know, I'll throw it out there. But a two-year-old, sometimes, you know, you get in a situation that's talked about a lot. Do you use a strutter? Do you not? Um, I'd say 50% of the time I have found that it spooks bird. 50% of the time, I mean, they come in ready to kill it. Right. Um, so normally on the first hunt on a piece of property that I don't know, I won't use it until I get to figure out what the, what the bird's temper, you know, kind of what we're dealing with. Is normally what I do. See, I know with me, I, I was just always watching videos and watching watching hunting shows, mm -hmm. and you'd see, a, you know, a couple of decoys and a strutter. So that was what I would put out. Yeah. And it wasn't until I started to hunt with you and then a good buddy of mine, Hugh Dupree, 
don't my learning or what I, my mindset now is don't put out a strutter kind of what you're saying until you figure out what's going on or unless you know there's two birds yeah two or more you know two or more strutters or two or more gobblers because they'll come into a strutter saying hey we're fixing we're fixing <laughs> gang up on this dude <laughs> well you're saying hunting shows you don't know how many times they had tried that day to use a strutter right. they're show, showing you the one time it worked that's right um so like i say we've put it out in a field and we got a bird roosting on the field and he's flown right down in front of it. And then we've had other times where he sat on that tree, that limb, for an hour longer than he should have and still fly off the other direction. Mm-hmm. So it's just a it's just a chess game, and that's what keeps turkey hunters going crazy at night trying to figure out what we're going to do the next morning. What's been successful for you that you've seen, Jim? Like what do you – when it comes to decoying a bird, what's, if you had to just do one thing every time, what would it be? Fan. Fan. You're yep. saying phantom after they've flown down. Yep. Yep. So that's a whole yep. other topic. Yeah. Is fanning turkeys that, you know, it wasn't until about five to six years ago, you know, you, you didn't really hear much about it. You didn't read much about it. And then it was just like, holy smokes, people are killing turkeys and not even touching a call. Yeah. I think, I know Jim and I have killed a few. Oh, and yeah. Did not even, we just walked up a field and they were in there fandom came in and shot him at five steps yeah i i mean i had heard of it i had seen it but uh never attempted it on my own that was not in the wheelhouse that i used to hunt in and then you know i heard you talk about doing it and it's a game changer was the first one we fanned in for you out at the farm midday and you shot it at like five steps yeah across the road in the upper field yep yep Yep. can't beat that Mm. wow i think Mm. we were hunting Five minutes? Yeah. Came out of the cabin. Hadn't even started sweating yet. We, yeah, we came out of the cabin. We, we heard the birds in that upper field. We literally crawled up to the edge of the field. You had the fan in front of you. As soon as the birds saw the fan coming up the hill, they just ran straight to us. Mm. Yeah, it's, it is mm. dangerous. That's my favorite That's mouth call say, right there. As far as killing turkeys. <laughs> right. and, it's, and it's also dangerous when you're hunting. I mean, I wouldn't do it on public land. Right. No. In an area that, that I know. Right. Um, just because you are behind a real fan. Mm-hmm. I use a real fan, so you got to be careful in the areas that you do do it. But it's, I've watched it. It's always amazed me, too. I mean, because I do regard turkeys as having an incredible sense of survival skills. And then when you see somebody fanning a bird, you're kind of like, that looks like a Buick behind a fan. Like, there's a bunch of people or there's you know there's a dude behind there. It doesn't look like a turkey. So it's just, it, it amazes me that that, that that works. But you can tell they just get so fixated on that full fan, and that's all they're looking at, man. And what's neat to watch too is like I was saying a minute ago is watch birds come in and try and gang up on a strutter and you can tell when there's two or three of them I mean they come running to that fan they're fixing to whoop up on somebody so yeah I think when it comes to decoying them it it does kind of come down to but most of the time I use a fan is not right off in the morning that nine o'clock once they start breaking up start looking for those other hens that's when you know when you're walking around checking green fields or you know, getting on gas lines. When you know, when I poke my head up there, I always have a fan out just so I don't spook anything. But right off the bat, coming off the limb, you know, yeah, it's a toss up whether I use my strut and decoy or not. Austin, I know we talked about it. You were at NWTF looking for decoys. You've kind of seen this from behind everybody. Yep. So what 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 has been? What, what did you decide to do? What's your when Austin goes hunting? What decoys are is he taking? So we'll start with you, Grant, um, with your <laughs> flock. Um, just sit there and watch Grant set up the fire. I mean, he's cursing and yelling and blowing which way they're so light. So I'm gonna go he's with the DSD. Up his decoys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I envision throwing out decoys like duck hunting. Yeah, dude, it's it was it used to be that way like a, like three or four years ago. I'm serious. There was one time I have a picture. I have a video. I'm not exaggerating. There were eight decoys out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think I, after looking at the DSD at ATF uh, this year, and I looked at Deception actually last year, which I right. really liked. Um, so I'm still up in there, but I think I'm going to go like Justin, just a good quality. It's going to last me a while. I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. And it's it's going to make a difference. I think. I mean, my only turkey last year was killed. With one hen out there, one hen decoy, and it was that DSD. Right. So it just seemed a lot easier. You run out there, set up one, come back, and sit down and wait. I mean, those the Dave Smith decoys is what we're talking about. DSDs. I mean, they look yeah. so freaking real too. I mean, I remember they've got. Um, does he have a motion decoy now? Like the Jake that moves or something? It's a breeding Jake or something to kind of you know piss off I, a Tom. I wouldn't doubt it. But I they mean, just look so freaking real. 
It's it, unbelievable. His decoys look so good, I don't think they need motion. I know, man. <laughs> it, they're nuts. Um, I, I think Jim's pulling some up looking at them. There's the Jake Strutter now, um, which I know, too. That's another thing about fanning birds or putting out a strutter. Um, it's kind of knowing the bird that's there. You feel like it's a dominant bird. Here's your flock. Here's your flock. They Here's got a whole flock. flock. Hey, Dave Smith's helping me out. <laughs> got a whole flock. They've got a flock them. package. Hope you brought your checkbook. <laughs> it's got a three-quarter strut Jake, an upright hen, a feeding hen, and then a submissive hen. Yeah, I think. Yep. And they, they, you know, price is another thing when you're looking for decoys. Right. These, these decoys aren't cheap, but they last you 10, 15, 20 years. You made a good point too. Those, those. I will say some of my phone ones have lasted me a long time. Um, but it's probably because I'm using eight at a time, so they're not getting the wear and tear of a single decoy. <laughs> <laughs> I can rotate them. That's a, I've got a rotation. Yeah. I can bring them out of the bullpen. Hey, come on in. It looks, like your, uh, it looks like your decoy, Justin, that we call Beyonce is on the DSD website. It's called the Upright Hen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the number one selling turkey decoy. It's uh, it's 160 bucks. Yeah. But went up since the last time yeah. I purchased one. I think it was 110 <laughs> was my first. And I was like, oh, man, it's $110. But it's lasted you that long, like you're saying. Uh, yeah. So you can, I mean, you can, so you could burn through them pretty quick. So we've gone through calls. We've gone through blinds. Talked about decoys. Um, so we got to get everything there, right? We got how did we get everything there? GMC Sierra <laughs> twenty five hundred Duramax. <laughs> so vests. That's for sale. <laughs> my vests for me are like smartphones. Like, what in the heck did I do before I had a turkey vest? I'm being serious. Like, had I, I, get, I can't remember. I think I may have had a turkey vest the whole time. That or cargo pants and a backpack. Um, you know, just trying to get calls and decoys and, you know, every, extra shells, just the stuff that you need while you're out there, bug spray, blah, blah, whatever. Yeah, you could fit at least three of those foam decoys in your cargo pants. <laughs> <laughs> stop. Stop. <laughs> so, like a, yeah, so the, the vest for me, like I said, I, I don't know what I did without one. Um, and now they're so much more lightweight. Um, they're breathable. And then even the, they, uh, they last longer. Um, I remember one of the first ones I had lasted maybe a season, started ripping, things like that. And it was super heavy, and the seat wasn't comfortable. I mean, now that's like the one that, that Jim uses. I mean, it's like carrying in a stadium seat. I mean, you literally go sit down in like a recliner. Um, and that's what, what, what vest is that? That's the Alps vest. It's uh, It was not the new vest last like the year. the Grand was, Slam or something. Yeah, like it was that. the Grand Slam turkey vest. That was from two seasons ago. They released yeah. it at NWTF. Uh Exactly what you said. It's like a stadium seat. It's got the sit anywhere, kick back, you know, kickstand frame to where, you know, I was thinking for filming, if the, the hunter is up against the tree and if I have to sit over his, you know, dominant arm, dominant shoulder, you know, I may not have a tree to lean up against. So I wound up getting the vest that would give me some back support. Uh, so if I'm sitting there, you know, without a tree to support my back, I would ha- I would have some cover there. Or some support yeah and that i mean that even for what it does i remember trying one on it's not that heavy it's not the only no, thing it's not. the only thing for me with that one is it has it's like a full back like it, the the back goes over your full almost down. so it does it's hot it's on your back the whole time that so that's the literally the only reason i didn't get that pack yeah and that's why i went the impact which yeah. is another alps vest yeah it's a little warm but you know i'd never hunted with a turkey vest until last year Okay. Uh, and then actually last year, uh, thinking about filming turkeys, I was like, there's no way I can use a vest. I need my backpack to keep all my camera gear in. But really, I found this pack perfect because of the the pockets that it had uh, and the zippers. I was able to carry, <clears throat> excuse me, I was able to carry, you know, all of our batteries, our SD cards. Uh, you Justin's know, lunch with you. Yeah, Justin's lunch. <laughs> The uh, Justin's extra backup backup calls <laughs> and my extra lunch. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, in all seriousness, you know, in the back of it, I would I kept the light, the bounce, you know, right. to diffuse light. I kept uh, the ghillie suit net, you know, to cover up the camera with, and then was able to use the the pockets for phones and that are designed, you know, for like a smartphone pouch and, and your call pouch and stuff. I was able to adapt that really well uh, to use for filming. And then also use some peak design clips that I actually put on each shoulder, uh, you know. So I would carry our cinema camera in my hand, and then I would have the DSLR on one shoulder, and then I would have uh, usually the the zoom lens on my other shoulder, just so I would have easy access to them to swap out lenses or cameras. He looked like Rambo going in the woods to film a turkey. 
I think it was for it, it, there's actually some pretty cool pictures we've posted of you wearing that stuff. I mean, you do. You look like you're ready to, to go to war with all that camera gear, man. It's pretty nuts. But I know we went with the Impact Vest. Oh, yeah. Um, which I, I love it for multiple reasons. One, it's super lightweight, still has a ton of functionality in terms of the pockets. It probably has similar pocket sizes to the vest he's talking about. Really, probably all it's missing is that full back and then those extending legs. And I think our seat is much, much smaller. Oh, yeah. Um, but the Impact Vest is nice because, I mean, the seat, you can just fold the seat out right there, hunt, or it breaks down and becomes like a crossbody sling. If you got a bird hung up in a field and you want to try and fan him, but you want to take some calls with you, or you know, you might like me, you may need ten or twelve shells to get it done. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you can take that kind of take that kind of stuff with you. But I do like the impact vest, um, Justin. That was your first year using it last year. You've yeah, had, last, you've had vests. Yeah, yeah, last year was my yeah. first year. You've had vests. I mean, what was your thoughts on that on that vest, or just in general? So I've always had the turkey vest that had kind of the stadium seat style, small, compact that you just fold down. And I actually bought one from one of my fraternity brothers in college and I loved it, but over time it just started wearing out. But I remember seeing that vest, NWTF, and I was like, yep, gotta have that. Yep. I mean, it was, I mean, it's great. It's lightweight, breathable. And like you say, you don't have to have a chair to lean, or a tree to lean up against, because you can just pull that chair out. It works as a stadium seat. Yep. You know, your legs kind of counterbalance your back, and that's kind of what keeps you sitting up. So, uh, the quality's, and the quality for the price is pretty good on them. Yeah. yeah. They're not yeah. the highest and <clears throat> most expensive vest, but the quality was good. I had issues with the, the clip that holds my leg out uh, for, the, for the back, but I was able just to put a bolt in it and tighten it down and, and still keep it usable. He probably had that toolkit in his pack. He's yeah. like, oh, two bolts, got it. Yeah, he's like, impact wrench, I got one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Cameraman emergency kit. That's right. Jim's Austin, always so prepared. Austin ran the impact yeah, vest, too. Yeah, I ran it. Um, I liked it. Like Justin said, everybody said it's lightweight. Um, it's really good just constantly moving around. Um, but as everybody knows, I'm a skinny guy. Yeah. I don't have a whole lot of booty. And the, those pads are thin. None, actually. No, yeah, none. It's just <laughs> flat back there. Like, it's like standing a bullfrog up trying to yeah. put jeans on. So my, my butt gets a little sore sitting there for a while. So I think I may upgrade this year, get the Grand Slam, or I was thinking of getting creative and getting like a Tempur-Pedic pad and like wrapping it in camo and putting it on the seat. You know, we get real comfortable. Man, we're going like first class here. Yeah, hey, it, you made two of those. That's right. I'll start selling them. You know what I did actually two years ago when we went elk hunting, Justin, instead of taking like a seat pad, uh, I went to a, like a gardening store and they've got those little foam things. Oh, that, yeah. You know, you see, like, Granny sit down and put her knees on while she's gardening or whatever. Uh, I got one of those in, in a green color, and I just stuck that in my backpack. So, you know, I would just bust that out and use that to sit on to stay dry because, you know, when we were in Montana, it was snowy. And so, yeah. really, I just used it more to stay dry, to have something dry to sit on. But it was great, great cushion, too. I like that idea. Don't lie. You probably took it home from your yoga class, didn't you? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> got the receipt from... Ace Hardware, Home and Garden. I need proof. So I know, too, like just, just watching other hunters that I've hunted with, you know, the vest is not what everybody uses. Um, there's guys out there that use maybe, or what I mean by that is like a seated vest. They may still have a turkey vest that's more of a utility-style vest, got everything in there, um, but they'll carry like little seats that they sit on to keep, you know, keep their butt off the ground, things like that. Um, I know I actually ran one for a little while, and I will say when if you're going to bow hunt, which I have done it without a blind, it's hard to do it truly sitting on the ground it can be very tough to do so if you're trying to bow hunt not in a blind not in a seat and you're trying to maybe sit in the woods or whatever highly recommend getting like a little stool or something like that you, that gets you just slightly elevated up off the ground because um, it can be really hard to come to full draw you need to practice doing it from a seated position on, with your bow on the ground legs straight out in front of you so you know if you can draw that weight in the woods but on the ground with all the brushes up around you it can be tough so if you can have them to be able to move around yeah, I remember when we were at Heartland Bowhunter uh, last year and we were talking to Michael about their filming setup for turkeys. They have a little, uh, like a board or a two by six or something that they will uh, almost like zip tie some brush onto and they'll take it with them so that they can sit it in front of them and then they've got the little fold out seat so that they can draw and shoot, you know, from a seated position without being flat on the ground. Yeah, that's right. Like that worked really well for them bow hunting. That's pretty smart. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. That's like those freaking ghost blinds. Have you seen those things? Yeah. It's like a mirror on the front yeah. or something? Yeah. You better be uh, a little trippy at first. 
I'd like to see you tote that around the woods. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Be shining off here all the birds and everything. But I have heard people that like them. But don't break them. It's bad luck right there. Oh yeah, that's right. Break them here. All right. So got we're, we've got everything. Let's back up a little bit. We got to get there with our with our boots. Um, I know for me, I typically just run super lightweight lacrosse waterproof boots. Um, so that's that's typically what I run. It's just what I like. Um, I think I was telling Austin he didn't believe me till I flipped them over and showed him the bottom of them. But they're literally like twelve year old boots, if not older than that. No, they're solid. That's what I like bottom now. I like them for multiple reasons. They're lightweight. They they're they're big enough at the top. They let my feet and legs breathe. But they're waterproof. You know, I can run through a creek or whatever, and I have to worry about them. Um, and for the most part, I'm not walking miles and miles and miles turkey hunting. So I don't I don't typically need a hiking boot. I just that's what I prefer to get run with is those lightweight lacrosses. You haven't hunted with me enough yet. <laughs> this year we'll cover. Do you not those remember miles. opening day of last year? <laughs> I think I was still wearing those. Look, I mean, I, 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 what I mean by that, I mean I, I've walked some serious distance in them. There was a day that day we hunted and we just walked and yeah. walked and walked and walked. I was still wearing those. They just I've worn them for so long. It's like wearing just wearing socks or something. I don't explain it. They're they just molded to your feet now. Yeah, they're just molded to my feet. They're yeah. in the truck right now. I've got two trains of thoughts on boots. Uh, I'll, I've got a pair of the Cabela's Mendel, you know, lightweight, I- extreme hiking boots. You know, before I started hunting out west, I got those, um, you know, for hunting in the mountains. And then also the lightweight lacrosse, uh, you know, knee-high rubber boots. Uh, and, and it just depends. If we're hunting around here, you know, I'm not really worried about snakes. So if it's dry and there's not going to be – you know, not a chance of rain. I know I'm not going to have to, you know, cross any creeks or anything. I'll wear those lightweight hiking boots. Um, but if it's rainy, if we're going to be in some fields that have real tall grass, it's going to be wet, crossing creeks, uh, I'll usually go with the lacrosse boots. Yeah. Just stay dry. I think I'm the same way. I run the Solomon X Ultras, but if yeah. it's raining, I got my muck boots that yeah. I'm going to carry out. But my, I mean, as you know, the Solomons are waterproof also. So most of the time, if it's just a light dew or light rain the morning before, or the day before, I'm just going to run my yeah. solid. It's a lot more comfortable for me moving around. And when it gets hotter too, I'll definitely go towards the hiking boot, and then wear, you know, throw in some gaiters to you know keep my pants legs dry. I haven't thought about that. That's a good point too. I will say, wearing those lacrosse boots um, or just a rubber boot in general, when it starts getting hot and steamy, you know, late morning, which for me it can be hot and steamy out right now, but um, when it does, start, that, I do know that. My feet start getting hot and uncomfortable, you know, up my legs all the way. Like, there'll be sweat. There'll be sweat piled in there. Yeah, I'll, so. I'll go into that setup when we talk about clothing on the next section. Uh, but, but yeah, for sure. Um, I'm snake boots, 100%. 100% of the Snake time? boots, 100%. Yep. Yeah. You you don't like snakes? You scared nope. of snakes? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I hunt too many places where there's rattlesnakes. <laughs> yeah. I just rather be safe than sorry, and that's just what I've always done. So yeah, that does lead into the next section, which for us is can be very important for how many days we're in the turkey woods, and on a very consistent basis is you know what we're wearing. Um, it, we got to be comfortable. We got to be kind of prepared for multiple situations, um, be it whatever we're doing. Um, not to make it too technical or too hard, but we do we put a lot of a lot of miles and a lot of use into our clothes. Um, for me, last year I ran Mossy Oak Bottomland pretty much all year. Um, I did get some of the Sitka um, subalpine by the end. By the I think about the I think I had some of it by the end of the season. But um, for me, it's got to be breathable, got to be lightweight. <laughs> I don't care if it's waterproof. I don't care. It's got to be breathable and it's got to be lightweight. I can't. It's it's way too freaking hot for me. Um, I'd rather get drenched and be wet than hot and bothered. So I hear you. I'm, I'm bottom land pants shirt. And then if it's cold, I'll carry a sweatshirt. Yeah. It's pretty simple. I'm not. I'm not too crazy. Just whatever my wife washed for me the night before. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> Unless it's cold, and then you get your uh, yeah. Then I'll have the bed. I'll have like deer hunting gear on if it's like below yeah. thirty. <laughs> yeah. Jim, you've got a whole list pulled up over here of what you. Jim's do. got it to a science. Yeah. I do. Uh, I take comfort very. Very serious. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's right above or right behind camera quality, uh, production quality, but uh, comfort is really important to me because when I get cold, when I get wet, I'm miserable and I'm done, just to be completely honest with you. Uh, so over the past two years of going out west and then you know, spending so much time in the woods here filming in different, different weather, uh, I'm 
pretty comfortable with my gear now. Uh, early season, it's going to be you know in the 20s and 30s here. I've always got uh, merino base layers on. You know, a lightweight to a midweight merino base layer, merino sock, uh, just because it is lightweight, breathable, and it dries so fast. Uh, don't <laughs> like it. <laughs> this is important. <laughs> this is important. No, it is. It but, uh, you know, I, I got turned on to Sitka two years ago uh, through our friends Josh and Ray at Binks before I started hunting out west and uh, just fell in love with the product not because of the pattern or anything like that, but just because it meets everything I could ever ask for in a hunting clothing. Yeah. Um, the performance of it is just second to none. feels like you're wearing your pajamas in the woods. It does. It does. I will, I will say that. I mean, it was hard for me to pull the trigger on Sitka gear when you look at a price tag. Just being honest, it was kind of like, holy smokes. But it has it outlasts anything I've ever had. It, it outlasts it, and it, the comfort is, is unmatched. It really is, and I'm not. I mean, I have no affiliation with Sitka. I don't know anybody there, so that's still pretty tough for me to pull the trigger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the thing for you too is sizing. I know that they don't. You know, they don't offer the sizing for big, tall guys. Yeah, the pants don't fit. Yep. They're getting there though. Now that John Dudley's on board with Sitka, they'll have something to fit you soon. Found out he gets his stuff all tailored. Yeah. It's another 150 to do that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, I always start with the merino base layers. Uh, you know, I've got some lightweight, medium weight, heavyweight stuff. If it's cold, you know, the, uh, uh, what is it? The, uh, the Timberline pants mm. are really good. They're thick. They've got built-in knee pads, which are awesome. Uh, the Jetstream jacket was my favorite elk hunting jacket. Wore that all during turkey season. Uh, and if it's really cold, the, uh, the Stratus, I think it's the Stratus. Uh, that's right. The Stratus pants and jacket that I use for for deer hunting, you know, they're fleece lined, insulated, windproof. Uh, and usually when it's cold, it's still early season. There's not a lot of green, and so I don't mind wearing that elevate uh, elevated two pattern with the grays and the browns in it. Yeah, I don't think that's a big deal. Um, but you know, one trip I took last year without you guys, I went up to Whitetail Heaven and uh, did some filming for somebody. And it literally rained for four days in a row. And, mm. you know, I layered up appropriately. And, uh, you know, besides the camera gear, you know, getting wet and keeping it dry, I literally, I wore the downpour pant and jacket yeah. over top of it. And then I wore my hiking boots with a Kenetrick gaiter. Mm-hmm. Mm. And literally, I come back from being gone for 12 to 14 hours out in the field of pouring down rain. And I take my outer layer off, and I'm perfectly dry and warm. Yeah. yeah something to be said about that. That, yep. that was priceless. When they were shivering and wet and miserable and cold and getting sick because they had been wet all day, and I literally just take my shell off, and I'm just perfect. Yeah, those Kinetrek gators, I don't have the boots. I've, I've never heard a bad word about the boots. I've just had other boots. But I know I borrowed your – Justin, I borrowed your Kinetrek gators. Those have got to be some of the – like one of the most vital tools that I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, yeah. Kinetrek will be my next boot just because after trying the gator, yeah. I'm so impressed with it, I want to try the boot. Luckily, Jim talked me into buying a pair, and that was a lifesaver when I was in Montana. Yeah. But, yeah, that, I was thinking about that. That's what I was saying a minute ago too about – you were saying, hey, we'll cover that in clothing – that's a great idea for if you do want to run, you know, hiking boots, kind of like yeah, what exactly. Awesome oh, I'm, I'm buying the gators this year for yeah. sure. And then just wrap everything up or have the gators with you if you want them because um, it, it kind of gives you two options. I just um, wear them, period, just because, you know, early season, there's going to be dew on the ground. You're going to be going mm-hmm. through grass. It keeps your pant legs dry, your lower pant leg, because if that gets wet, your socks will get wet, then it will go down into your shoes. Uh so it's a non-negotiable for me. Freaking, <laughs> freaking genius! Y'all just, y'all just squashed my little poor lacrosse boots, man. They've been with me for. <laughs> He's sp- got everything. Time to retire those. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you just have to find what works for you and what works for your budget. Um, you know, Sitka gear is hard to swallow because it's so expensive. But when you spend as much time in the field as we do, uh, yeah. the comfort is really important. You yeah, know, I think uh, I've run some old Tom. They make some really good stuff, um, really lightweight, um, breathable, um, and they come in those patterns. You know, for obviously old time, it's based around turkey season, so they come in the patterns that are going to work for turkey season. Yeah. Um, I didn't it, have any issues running the subalpine, you know, the yeah. the greens and the blacks and the browns, but 
if they uh, if they put mossy oak, if they put bottom land on some Sitka gear, I might even pay a little more for it, just to be honest. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't hate the patterns, but uh, it worked fine. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so we've covered everything but how to kill a turkey. It's time to kill um, as As we've said, the 11th commandment is shooting turkeys in the face with a shotgun. Um, so we 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 uh, <laughs> I actually coined that phase uh, phrase you know put words into our buddy Caleb Copeland's mouth about the eleventh commandment being thou shalt shoot a turkey in the face with a shotgun and not a bow and actually uh, there may be uh, yeah there may be a TV show called that now because of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I said I don't know I don't know just just rumors flying around but uh, but yeah so we'll call it the eleventh commandment I said it first so. So I'll start because I have a shotgun approach in terms of what I have used in the past. Um, grab a gun, put a full chuck in it, and whatever shells were available at Academy. That's what I was doing. I mean, that's, that was what I was doing. Three and a half inch. Hey, whatever. and it worked, right? Yep. There, and, yeah. I mean, whatever works. Um, no, I would typically go sight something in or try a couple different <clears throat> different shells before season you know, started. But that w- I kind of had a shotgun approach until I really started – spending money to turkey hunt and you know going travel and things like that and then i would kind of fine-tune it um but for me it was i I used to always run a browning bps um it had a a uh it actually had a pattern master in it that's what i would shoot it was a pattern master that was made for uh, the type of shot that i was shooting and i think typically shot like winchester long beards um i think it was it five shot is it probably five shot probably and that's what i would shoot heavy shot was another one back in the day Still is. Now, that's typically what I would shoot, and I mean now, I know Justin, you you've got it down to a science with the shells that you shoot, um, those TSS. It's just like any other sport. You can go from using the cheapest of cheap shells to you know spending what people spend right these days. Uh, it's two different extremes, but yeah, I'd, I'm using the Apex uh, Small Town Blend now, and I used it last year and. Telling you, <laughs> that tungsten is there's something to it. Being able to, I mean, all the birds shot last year. There was only one that was like still flopping after, but we reached out there and touched uh, quite a few of them, like yeah. 60, 60 plus, I would say. That one that I shot, I I shot the first time, and I don't think I missed it, but I just wounded it. Yeah, uh, we were kind of scrambling in the blind trying to get a double. <laughs> And uh, that second shot, I domed that sucker at 75 Yeah, I mean, it was way on out there. It was 65 plus. Just stone cold it. Yeah. It was incredible. Running away. Running away. Um, it was incredible. But, yeah, I, I shoot a Super Black Eagle two with a Rhino choke tube and a three-and-a-half inch Apex small town blend, which I think is seven-and-a-halves and nine shot. And it is a deadly, deadly combination. But – when I first started out turkey hunting, I'm not lying. I think my dad just gave me some shells, and I'm pretty sure they were buckshot from yeah. my first turkey. <laughs> when I was when I was young, he was like, here, use these. I went in the backfield and ended up calling up a turkey and killing it. But, I mean, I have used every kind of shot. I've, I've shot birds with eight-and-a-half bird shot, dove load. You know, it's just you don't have to go to the extreme that some people do uh, oh, I, I wanted to pull it up so you said there's something to that tungsten so here's the science behind it tungsten has the density of 0.7 pounds per cubic inch okay which means that a cube of tungsten one inch on all sides would weigh a seven tenths of a pound okay which is 1.74 times more times than lead yeah it's 1.74 times so and, and you almost think, two times as heavy and you think about number nine shot how small it is right. compared to like a number four or number three or whatnot right. shot so you that you're using you. so you're, you've got that much more shot into a shell right that's packing a much powerful punch i remember when you got some last year um or when we were hanging out with him i can't remember and i mean you you handed me one of those shells and i mean I was like, "There's no way there's pellets in here. This is just like a like a. There's got to be like a lead bar or something in here. It doesn't even like there. Yeah. It was so dense and yeah. so heavy. Um, that's the other thing. It's just carrying those daggum things around. I'm gonna need a wheelbarrow. <laughs> hey, but you only need one as opposed to your seven or eight that you, that you said you used to use. Actually, that morning we killed two turkeys. I think we used five. <laughs> we well, might have shot five that morning. That was a, five a shots crazy, crazy morning. Uh, yeah, but." And that was an expensive morning. Yeah. 
those shells I'm, are not cheap. Yeah, I'm more in the middle. I haven't shot Apex yet or uh, any tungsten loads. I shoot a Browning Pure Gold uh, or a Browning Gold Hunter. I'm sorry, three inch. You know, in a in a mossy oak uh, Duratouch finish shotgun. Uh, with a pure gold choke and uh, just three inch heavy shot, you know, yeah. that's killed every bird I've needed to out to fifty yards mm-hmm. and never had any issues with it. Yeah, I'm more to, middle of the road. Like I said, I was I had I ran with that Browning, but it had a thirty inch barrel on it. It was my so then I went I got a Stoger uh, eight thirty five, and I killed one turkey with that. That is the only turkey I'm going to kill with that gun ever. <laughs> Kicks like a mule, eh? Kicks like a mule. <laughs> Never again. Never oh. <laughs> again. So I have a Winchester SX3. I've got it rocking and rolling. It'll and it's it's ready to rock and roll this spring. Austin, tell me a little bit about the gun you used last year. <laughs> Let's see. So I actually own a Remington 1100 trap gun. It's like 30 inch barrel though. You can't put a choke tube on it. So I'm actually running Justin's old gun, Remington 870, old faithful. Hey. That gun has seen it all and killed a bunch of turkeys. Oh, and it's dead on too. I didn't have to sight in or nothing. It was ready to go. It's perfect. Um, I really like it. Um, but looking to upgrade, um, and as I've said, I love quality over quantity. So I think I'm going to go with Benelli uh, hey, when I can make that jump. And that's good. I really like like your gun and the M2. I've gotten to look at Binks a few times, and I really like those. That 870 you're running, I know it. I've had a kicks turkey choking it for as long as I can remember, and uh, I think you're shooting three and a half, uh, three inch, three inch, yep. uh, Winchester long beards. Yep, went with the long beards, the five shot, and had no issue. I mean, put my turkey yep. down quick last year. Yeah, Remington eight seven. You you can't beat them. No, that's right. Literally, you can't beat them. Like you run them over with a truck and go kill stuff with them. They're yep. insane. Insane guy. I mean, it's that like the M sixteen of the shotgun. Yeah, that was do anything to it. Gun that I used to kill my first turkey with. So that was my first gun. Was a Remington eight seventy youth model twenty gauge. Still have it. Yeah, it doesn't even have rust on it. I mean, it's ready to rock and roll. It does. The only thing wrong with that gun now is the, the plug, uh, the plug stop, whatever you call it, is is a, is a pencil because we lost the plug stop. So we had to we had to fashion one out of a pencil while I was duck hunting. Redneck innovation, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> so when you flip the gun upside down, you can hear that pencil running around inside there. All right. So let's break the eleventh commandment. Hold on, I I got a news break. <laughs> I got news a break. news okay. break. Whit Winford with Logic Hunter is now on the board in South Florida. Son of a gun. Right just, now we're just got the video, just got the text. Too so freaking cool. Congrats. Way to go, Whit. Congrats to him. Congrats, so, congrats in a couple buddy. days because you won't hear this until his, then. His first Osceola. So All right. I got chills yeah. thinking about it. That's freaking awesome. <laughs> I was next, just watching buddy. that video. <laughs> that's freaking uh, sweet. Okay, you're next, buddy, next uh, week. That's right, next week. We're yeah, you next south. week. Oh, man, that's awesome. So like I was saying, let's, let's, let's break the 11th commandment. Let's talk about killing a turkey with a bow. Um, Jim, have you killed one with a bow yet? I haven't. Nope. That Austin, was my goal last nope. year. Austin hasn't. I didn't get around to it. Why? Why not, Jim? Uh, the camera was permanently <laughs> stuck in my hand last year. <laughs> what about that other thing you had last year? Oh, a son. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't want to forget about that one. Hey, I'm pretty sure I turkey hunted more than all of y'all last year. You're right. You are and correct. I had a newborn baby. That's right. And I was closing uh, three to four deals uh, here at the real estate company every month. So huh. y'all can shut <laughs> up. I'm pretty sure they call that a rock star. That's right. But yeah, so um, when it comes to killing a turkey with a bow, um, that was a goal of mine from when I picked, first picked up a bow. I was like, I'm going to kill a turkey with one. And to date, it was probably the hardest thing that I have ever done. Now, we'll say my goal was to kill one without a blind. That was another thing. And to film it. So I, And I did all that. I self-filmed my first archer kill. It didn't get in frame, it, but <laughs> it did happen. <laughs> um, but, yeah, killing a turkey with a bow is... Um, if it's not in frame and focus, it doesn't count. That is true. It doesn't happen. Sorry. It doesn't count. So, um, you may have reenacted that. <laughs> you may have reenacted that. You can't prove it. <laughs> But it's one of my one of the favorite things I've ever done. It's one of my favorite things to do. Um, I will say shooting them with a shotgun is a lot of fun. But getting an eastern turkey within bow range or just a turkey in general in bow range is a lot. It's, it's just fun. Um, and it's a super small target. I don't care if you're trying to shoot their head off or you're trying to shoot their vitals. They're about the same size. Um, so killing a turkey with a bow is, is pretty tough work. Justin, I know you've done it several times too. Yeah, I think I've killed three with a bow. Um, and... The last, the most recent was two years ago. I was so out of necessity or because you wanted to. Um, 
I guess it was a little bit of both. <laughs> I wanted to, and my shotgun was at my uh, my house. I thought it was in my truck, and I got to my parents' house, and the bow was actually in the garage. I was like, hey, I'm just going to try it. Got a little time. <laughs> I actually walked up on the birds. I actually walked up on a guy we were breeding a hen like 100 yards, and I had a fan with me, so all I did was just get behind the fan and literally followed him up the hill, got within 20 yards, and – put the fan on the ground, stood behind the tree to draw my bow and just kind of peeked around and stoned him at 20 yards, which I thought was going to be impossible. But now that I know you can do it that way, yeah. I will be trying it again for sure. I thought you were doing it because it was an urban hunt. I didn't really think about you using a gun in the neighborhood. but Well, right. it was urban, and uh, I didn't have my gun. But Gotcha. So. Double necessity. Seek one, right. Seek one would have been proud of us. That's right. Of them, <laughs> of them urban turkeys. <laughs> hey, they got to be killed, too. I know there for me, go. I mean, the broadhead that I used on mine was the vet, it was a veteran uh, VIP, um, which is just a huge expandable did you shoot it in the vitals or the head actually shot it in the vitals stuck his wings together was the goal just because he shot him at like i think it was either 40 42 yards or something like that's pretty good pretty little poke so shooting him in the head wasn't an option um something that i wanted to do but um i think if you're going to shoot him in the head you got to get him super close and you got to yeah. probably have one of those guillotines yeah. or something with a huge cut on contact um jury outdoors was shooting him in the head with a rage mm. nine years ago man that's just, so you got to step it up, is what Jim's yeah, saying. That's yep, right. yep, step it yep. up. No step excuses. Up. Man. I was watching Longbeard Madness uh, 10 and 11 from 2010 and 2011 this weekend. We got to remember, those guys were hatched from an egg, so they were probably mm-hmm. eating out of their hand. When yeah. they were, it wasn't know. Mark and Terry. It was some of the other guys. Gotcha. Okay. But, uh, but, yeah, they were shooting them in the head with a rage. Mm. <sighs> mm. That's Nine work. That's ago. doing some work. That is. But yeah, I mean, for me, I think just from what I've learned of trying to bow hunt them, uh, if you are, if you do want to bow hunt a bird, one, you don't need all the poundage. I, I keep the same bow, but if you're just starting out and you want to kill a turkey with a bow, you don't need all the poundage that you would need for for a deer. Um, you need a ton more camo. Um, you need to make sure you got the, the bows camouflaged up. Can't be out there hunting with your, you know, neon orange hunting bow or whatever. It needs to be a camo bow or a black bow, something like that. And then the broadheads need to be cut on contact. Um, and they need to they, they need to fly pretty dang true because you you are aiming at something super super cut small. on contact if it's a lower poundage right absolutely yeah yeah you were saying rage um, it needs I'm just saying it, it I think it needs to be something that does some serious damage when it hits a bird just yeah, because they're you're, dense yeah they're so dense and they're they can they're like I said there's there's a there's a lot to, there's a lot to miss there's a I mean it, there's just a little bit there that you've got to hit and I remember I was hunting in texas we were hunting rios with a bow and we were just doing it because there was a bunch of bunch of turkeys there and we just said hey we're just going to try it we got plenty of time um the first turkey that came in was 15 yards and he never would come out of strut i mean he was standing on top of my decoy strutting strutting around we tried everything to get him out of strut and he was in frame for 10 minutes and i was like i'm just going to try him but when they're in strut and they got that many feathers trying to pinpoint that kill zone was tough and I could say I shot him shot him with a rage and it went right through him and he flew up and then walked off yep. and I couldn't get another shot but I was just like how in the world did that happen yep you know you just they're all puffed up you know and you just think the kill zone's a lot bigger but it's actually harder to find yeah that's what I was saying too if you go and you look at a turkey you look at his vitals it's literally almost the exact same size as his head and neck. Mm-hmm. So people are like, why are you trying to shoot him in the head or whatever with a bow? Uh, it's the same size vital. Literally, the target's the same I size. I do like the concept of shooting them in the head with a bow because you it's either they're either dead or miss. Or you miss. Yeah, no You're not going to wound them. Yeah. And it's easier if that turkey's, even if he's in strut, walking straight at you because yeah. you got the neck, yeah. you got the spine, and you got the head. So if yeah. you miss the head, you still got the, you know, the throat to Very go true. for. Very right. true. Which will help you. Yeah. So that's kind of how we turkey hunt um, in terms of getting them in there, the gear that we like to trust, this, that, and the other. Um, and then, how you know, if you're going to use a gun, that's kind of what we run with. Um, and then if you're going to use a bow, get you get you a cut on contact, nasty broadhead. That'll, that'll do some serious damage and 
like we said, aiming for the head is typically the best way to go. But um, from there, I kind of wanted to do a little bit of education to kind of keep everybody safe and out while they're out there hunting. One thing uh, before we get into bug repellent is what I was going to talk about. But if you're hunting public land, okay, know where you're at. Be smart. Make sure you're not hunting a person. Um, and if you're walking, have a orange flag or something on your back. Um, and don't be walking around behind a decoy on ground that you are not that you have no idea where you're at. Every year somebody gets hurt. Every year somebody gets killed. It seems like. Um, don't be dumb. And if you're hunting, I don't know how it happens to date. I, I can't figure this out. Don't shoot somebody. I, I haven't figured out how that happens yet. Guns don't go off accidentally. And turkeys look like turkeys. People holding decoys look like people holding decoys. So freaking pay attention. Um, and one thing I heard a story about last year, if you're hunting and you've got a decoy out and there's a truck going down the road and it slows down, stand up and start waving because that person may be doing something illegal, trying to shoot a turkey from the road. And you're, That's a great point. I didn't even you, think about that. Yeah, if you, I heard a story about that and somebody slows down in a truck or whatever and they've been sitting there for a minute, you see a window roll down or whatever, stand up and wave at that person because they may be doing something illegal and not realize that there's a hunter in camo behind that decoy in the field. Yeah, we, mm-hmm. that's a great point. I mean, recently we, uh, you know, one of our farms that we hunt, we had we had some neighbors that were baiting, you know, and it, I mean, it was just flat out illegal. You know, literally we could see the, the corn scattered from our property. We didn't have to trespass to go see it. You mm-hmm. know, opening morning we heard, oh gosh, four or five or six gunshots from this blind, you know, that was set up over this corn pile. Mm. Uh, you know, so we did get the game wardens involved in that and we reported that, but, you know, stay legal, do what's right and be safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause turkey hunting's just different. You're on the ground, you're at eye level with everything. Yeah. You're in full camo um, and you're decoying birds with decoys. Like we were talking about that looks so real. Mm-hmm. So just be careful. I mean, holy crap, just be careful and be, be smart. But yeah, I wanted to go into there. Really, the main reason that the last part of the podcast was tick-borne, keeping yourself, you know, bug-free, bug repellent. Don't stop listening. Yeah, keep listening, yeah. please. Yeah. Trust yeah. us. Um, because uh, bug <clears throat> repellent is tick-borne illnesses are on the rise, and they are they will literally change your life forever. Um, they can be deadly. Um, yeah, Jim's had some firsthand experience. Yeah. With I that. have, I have, and you know, as a past uh, registered nurse and paramedic, I'm very very passionate about the tick-borne illnesses uh, because not only have I treated you know patients in ICUs and emergency departments with tick-borne illnesses I've actually had one myself Mm. Um, and it's a life-changing event luckily uh, I had a bacterial infection from one it's called ehrlichiosis and uh, it's treatable but you know I did not know what was going on at the time it uh, you know, came on. My symptoms came on like uh, like the flu. You know, I started having really, really high fevers, chills, headaches, muscle aches. Uh, didn't have a rash with it. I just felt like I had a really, really bad case of the flu. And uh, you know, I was sick for several days before I was like, you know, beg my beg Brittany, my wife, to take me to the hospital because I was mm. just losing my mind. I was so sick. Mm. So. You know, after a few days of antibiotics, started getting better. But, uh, you know, these things can cause, you know, brain damage, nervous system damage, bleeding, or it could have irreversible uh, damage that you could live with or have intolerances to, like, protein and meat for the rest of your life. So, yeah, it's, it's so easy to it's so easy to prevent this. Literally, you know, treat your gear, run a thermocell and use bug spray. Do it all. It's the cheapest thing that you can do probably when you're turkey hunting. We just talked about a $119 decoy that's now $160. Shells cost $15, $20, $25, $30 a box. A bag, a box of, uh, I mean, a, a, a bottle of off is 4 bucks. <laughs> a yep. thermosale is $19.99. I mean, we're, that's one of the cheapest things that you can do turkey hunting. It's worth it. So please, and, and I, I'm, I'm being serious. I didn't want to laugh about it. I wanted to be passionate about it at the end because... I know people that have been affected. Jim's been affected. Um, Tick-borne illnesses are real, and they will mess you up, and they can have effects on you and your loved ones for a long time. Take some good advice from our friend uh, Brad Paisley and get somebody to check you for (laughs) tickets. Because literally, 
I sprayed. I had on knee-high boots. Uh, you know, I had on bug repellent. And literally, I had a tick in my waistband on my back mm. that I could not feel and I could not see. And if I would have uh, been proactive and asked my wife to be like, hey, check me for ticks, you know, as I jump in the shower, I could have uh, saved that illness. Because usually if you get them off quickly, uh, they won't transmit any, any bacteria or illnesses to you. Yeah, and then the other thing, too, is the methods for removal. Um, you know, washing them off and then properly picking them off. I know there's old wise tales about burning them off with a lighter. Don't do that. Um, that can cause them to, I know, to vomit and things like that back into your bloodstream. Don't do that. Um, so, yeah, that the, the me- removal method, make sure you, you do that the right way. And um, But anyways, let's, uh, let's wrap it up. I'm getting the notion from Justin over here. <laughs> Time to go to work. Time to go to work. That's right. Let's go. Uh, let's go. Let's go. Uh, do our, our daily our daily tasks today. So, thank you so much for joining us for episode five. Um, we are uh, super super excited for turkey season. I know Jim and Justin are getting things packed up. We were doing that this morning, kind of getting gear allocated, getting these guys ready. They're headed down to Florida. Is that your first Osceola you're after? That'd be the first one. All right, Ooh. good deal. Coming in hot. Good Coming luck. in hot. All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Like I said, be sure to subscribe, share, like, rate, review, and uh, thank you so much. And uh, join us join us next time and meet us on the crossroads here at Eight and Time Podcast. All right, everybody ready? We ready? Does sound good? It's going. We ready? We ready for y'all? Bom, 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 bom. <laughs> Bum, 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 bum. Hey, hey, hey. Goodbye. Bye.